champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I not, not lose. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. He is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, uh, laughing at it all, covering it all, while providing a platform to be heard. All right, so uh, like we do about this time, I just want to welcome, welcome our esteemed guests. All right, so she is part of the Divine Nine. So she's a Delta, so she's been throwing that dynasty sign. A former athlete, HBCU alum, and she also has mafia ties, so you gotta be gotta be careful here. She's we here to let you know that. She's going out protecting already, and she's here to let you know that women are taking over. Currently, the senior manager of the collective at Wasserman. Please, please, let's clap it up for Laura Walters Brown. What's going on? That intro is kind of fire. I'm not gonna lie, I was bopping. <laughs> I was bopping a little bit over here. It's all good. That's what we want to we want to bring you in right. Um, so how we start the show is we always start the show with a shoot your shot moment. So uh, the shoot your shot moment is we want to ask you, when did you shoot your shot? You could have win. You could you could have lost. You could have fumbled a bag. But just a, a time in life where you shot your shot. It can be any kind of experience that you had. But don't give us that. Oh, I always shoot my shot. We want to we want a targeted specific, a specific time. I shot my shot. You shot your shot. Will you bet on yourself? Every single day. I Like, that's a hard question. Like, I, I work in gender equity. I shoot my shot every single day. Like, I don't I don't have a specific incident that I can think of off rip. When did I shoot my shot? I mean, I literally shot shots in high school. Um, <laughs> Lifetime Raleigh's seen me a couple times shooting shots. They, I'm a spot up, spot up shooter now in my post-30 okay. uh, age. Uh, but for the most, when have I shot my shot? That's a great question, fam. I don't have an answer for that. I'm gonna need you to circle back. Hey, we could definitely circle back, and we could bring this up, like as uh, as we're going through, and we'll, we'll tag something that to you know a specific thing where you shot your shot. MH? Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's start from the beginning, Laura. Where did your love for sports start? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think my love for sports started when I was born. Like, I feel like that's corny and cliche, but I, I would take that back, actually. I think my love for sports didn't start until I wasn't, like, at a college adult. Wow. I think I've been playing sports since I was three, but it was never like a, I love, ooh, I love to do this. It was more of a, this is, your last name is Brown, and this is what we do in this family, and you going to do this, and uh, none of your siblings are athletic, so you are the great hope. Go <laughs> forth and bounce a ball, kick a ball. I hit a ball, couple, swung, served, all of the sports. But so, I don't think I actually fell in love with sports until I could do it for fun, which was gotcha. after college. So uh, a, a coach's daughter. <laughs> oh, my God. Like. When Remember the Titans came out, I thought the whole world got a glimpse into my life because I was that little girl, the black version, but like I did have a mouth, but I was out at East High School in the summertime painting the field by hand because my dad was too cheap to go get the little spray thing. And I don't know if you've ever painted an entire football field on grass by hand, but it takes a very long time, uh, especially when you're 10. Can't say um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How those yeah. lines look? How those yeah, lines? We got receivers all offsides, everything. <laughs> look, I don't know, but whatever we did, they went like undefeated and we're putting up basketball scores on the football field. So I feel like that was my direct <laughs> contribution to a career of winning. I feel it. I think that's love, honestly. I mean, if you paid in the fi football field, by hand. By Is hand, it? Because I'm pretty sure they call it child love. abuse now. I think it's called child <laughs> abuse. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Free labor is considered child abuse at this point in time. Character. Builder, I don't know. Character builder. What, what was the first sport? Oh, man. Uh, basketball. Basketball. Okay. I've had a basketball in my hands since I was three. There's actually a picture of me. Let my dad tell it. He will pull it out. 
I think it's actually on my Instagram when my post from my dad is the aftermath. Mm. I'm in this little blue ugly Easter dress. Y'all remember? I don't know if y'all remember it, but a long time ago they used to put little girls, little black girls in these little paisley looking, mine was light blue dresses with like ruffling and things and like the white patent shoes with the straps and the yeah, matching yeah. socks. I got you. Right. I was a deacon five. too. I was a deacon. We matched. I was a deacon. And See, you I was had deacon to, you by had, <laughs> five years you old. You had those, right? I mm-hmm. just wanted to play basketball. And so while we were supposed to be taking pictures, I had a basketball in my hand and I was shooting shots from like my little plastic basketball hoop. And I got in so much trouble. I got in so much trouble. She, my mom was like, don't you get my dress dirty? Because I was matching my sister. We were supposed to be taking pictures. It was a whole thing. So I've been playing basketball since I was three. Um, and then I actually picked up a soccer ball when I was five okay. and then did that up through high school. I think that would be illegal, but I think picking up the ball would kind of be illegal, but, uh, actually not because I was a goalie. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Corrected. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was a goalie. <laughs> Dang, all right. Yeah. So, yeah all right. That was my Take job. Back. Back so up. how are you designated to be the, the, the sports child? I was the only one that had athleticism. Mm. Like my sister, my older sister is 5'3". And my younger brother is a genius. And so he's actually 6'1", like good size body and could like really tear you up on the football field. But in middle school, he actually read the contract that you have to sign that basically says this sport could kill you. And if it does kill you, it's not our fault. And he took the contract, took it to the headmaster at his school with like a dissertation as to why he wasn't going to play. Certified so genius level stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> like he's, yeah. The stuff he knows is beyond anything that I can ever comprehend. I just let him have that. That's his win. That's his lane. Go forth and be great. Um, but I was daddy's, I've been daddy's little girl since I was born. So dad did all the sports. My uncles did all the sports. I grew up with mostly male cousins, uh, something like eight uncles, eight plus uncles, like uncles, but not uncles and they cousins, but they live next door. I have some of those, Definitely but they would nice. always like, yeah, they would always try to beat me up and not let me play basketball. Now they're old and gross. Love you, cousin. If you watch this, I love you so much. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in uh, again in Ohio? First of all, I want to say this. I feel like Ohio gets a bad rap. Like, mm. I went to undergrad. When I went to undergrad, mind you, I went to undergrad in South Carolina, in Orangeburg. Yes. Okay? Google Orangeburg. Okay? Uh, there's no Uber. Uber does not exist. There are no ride shares in Orangeburg. Yet, everybody thought I grew up on a farm. Because you're from Ohio. That just, that's yeah. natural. No. I was like, I never understood it. I'm like, I have sidewalks. I grew up with, like, grass in between the sidewalk, just like everybody else, and paved roads, and grocery stores, and electricity. <laughs> well, that's where all the like, Amish are from, right? They, they think I, all the Amish are from Ohio. That's on the other side. That's up that way. That's up that way. <laughs> but it was dope. I mean, it was dope growing up. I had a great childhood, I think. I was very fortunate to have an amazing childhood and be, you know, surrounded by amazing people that I definitely didn't know were amazing when I was there. I just thought it was normal. Uh, But, you know, when I grew up, I kind of discovered that that was not normal and that uh, most people didn't have the benefit of being around um, some really dope people. So Ohio's great. I love it to visit now, but I like, I like it. the way he just added to visit. <laughs> it's like an Ohio thing, especially like, it's, I don't know what it is. It's like an Ohio thing. Like you grow up there, you love it. We ride hard. Like we can talk about Ohio. Nobody else can talk about Ohio, but like, I don't want to live there right now. I mean, I same. I mean, like my I family back right? in Ohio, like, you know, exactly. and I, I can only visit during a certain time frame in the summer months. Like I can't go back when it's cold. Like, so I get all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it gets a little chilly. Really, really does quickly. All right. So mm-hmm. we talked a little bit of sports, right? So you, you basketball, first thing you picked up, played a little soccer. Um, and then um, 
I mean, you went to school for volleyball. So on yeah. a scholarship. So where did volleyball come in and how did you get from playing these, you know, couple sports and track too, right? Like when you did a little, you were a little shot. Yeah, I threw, I threw, I, I was, yeah, I've been the same size, like adult size, uh, since I was like 14, maybe 12. <laughs> so like, they really thought I was going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stopped growing and then everybody else caught up with me. It was a very dramatic time in my life uh, but I actually ended up playing volleyball because <laughs> that might have been the first time a man told me I couldn't do something uh, and so I went and did it anyway so I had a actually I was going to go to college to play soccer like that was my dream growing up I wanted it sounds completely irrational because I wanted to be Mia Hamm but like mm. no, that, that, was a, that, was a, that was a time was point di- right I mean, right. It just like the Gatorade commercial just came out with Mia Hamm yeah. and Michael Jordan. Uh, and I was like, I'm a, I'm gonna be Mia Hamm. I'm gonna go to UNC. I'm gonna be the best goalie in the world. It's gonna be great. And I got to high school. And um, I got to high school. And my dad taught conveniently my father taught at my high school, he conveniently left the middle school to come to high school <laughs> a few years before I arrived. And so he, uh, the coach actually was like, told my dad, like, we've got a senior goalie who hasn't got a scholarship yet. So Laura's going to have to sit the bench a year. And my dad was like, we don't do that in this house. Like, she doesn't sit the bench. And your senior plays on, like, the local team. And my daughter plays on the national team in the same league so make it make sense to me fam and so I did not play soccer I was the end of my soccer career because they asked me they told me to sit the bench it's the beginning of my cockiness in my sport career uh and so I went to play volleyball uh and I got out to volleyball and no lot can I cuss on this show I'm not gonna cuss I'm gonna do well uh, the uh, volleyball the coach was yes, like, no, by the way. <laughs> yeah, do your thing. I'm trying. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better <laughs> because my mother will see this. Hey, mom, better. Like I got to summer and I'm going to camp. And actually, in eighth grade, I missed the high school camp to go to like an AAU tournament or something. And my eighth grade volleyball coach, grown woman, got in my face and was like, "You'll never play." high school volleyball because you didn't go to the camp and I was like okay why are you yelling at me she had coffee breath it was really bad um (laughs) but then I got to high school and the coach coach belt was like I want you on varsity and she was like but you got to make your mile and a half time no I'm not a mm -mm, not a runner never happened (laughs) <laughs> no, no. So like I'm sitting here in summertime. <laughs> no, that's why I was goalie. Look, inside of my box. You're good to go. You got that everything locked down. You can't hold me. I got you here. I got you here. I like I can control everybody in my box. I'm running you over at that point in time. That's why I was a goalie because I wasn't afraid. Like, forget the ball. If I take you out, you can't score. That was my whole thought process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, my varsity volleyball coach actually was going to bench me. She put me on JV until I made my mile and a half time after making me cry in, um, two days in the summertime. And so made my mile and a half time. They made me a cake. That's how serious it was. They made me a cake. Cake. They made That's me a cake. <laughs> they could, yeah. Cause I, they were like, finally, this little <laughs> chunky eighth grader got her life together and made her mom halftime. Now we can win. And they pulled me up to, to varsity my freshman year. I played middle hitter. I stopped growing. They were like, oh, crap. She's not going to grow anymore. Uh, became an outside hitter my junior year, I think, in club. Because everybody, all of my friends are taller than me in high school. I'm 5'8". So, like, all of them are <laughs> taller than me at that point. So, my coach was like, you're going to have to learn to play outside if you want to do anything. Because there's this freshman coming in who's six foot Uh oh. and another one behind who's six two. And I was like, well, I don't sit the bench. So I learned to play outside, had a club coach again, tell me I'd never play volleyball in college outside of the Mac. And so I decided to go out on a limb and 
turned down my basketball scholarship offers and turned down my volleyball in Ohio scholarship offers and do what he said I couldn't do. So I ended up at South Carolina State, uh, which was, I look back, I didn't sign my national letter intent till like the spring of my senior year. Yeah. So you, you were introduced to the, I guess, politics of sports. It seems like, you know, pretty early. Do you think that in a way, had you more prepared for collegiate athletes or athletics? I'm sorry. Um, I think that's a good question. I think for me, I had I was very fortunate to have an amazing father who knew sports and was an amazing coach and was a former college athlete himself and was a black man who understood how little black children were treated in the suburbs when you're one of However many, I was the first mm-hmm. black volleyball player on my var- on varsity in my high school in 2001, 2001. Um, and so I think he hid the politics from me. Like he just came in and be like, what do you want to do? <laughs> I'm like, I want to play. Okay, we're going to play. And then I don't know what else happened after that. Or when I said I didn't want to play basketball anymore, he was like, Okay. And he handled my high school basketball coach was like, Laura wasn't at practice today. And that was like, she told you she wasn't coming. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> she told you. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that prepared me for college sports was I didn't know any other lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. I've been playing, I, I played a sport every single season since I was four. So I didn't know any other lifestyle. So I think for me, the bigger shock was like after college sports because I didn't have it anymore. And I was mm-hmm. like, what am I supposed to do? What is this free time? What is this? I'm just like, here? I can sleep in? Hmm. This is new. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little different than most people, I think. At least my journey was. So tell me about your HBCU experience. I mean, are yeah. you... Because um, we definitely want to highlight that, right? Now, I think it's definitely the the revolution right now mm-hmm. of HBCUs people are, it's getting the attention it should have been getting. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. tell me about your HBCU experience and um, you know, why you ultimately chose there. Yeah. I, look, my, look, I went to the South Carolina state university. My HBCU experience was lit. I don't care what anybody else says about their university. I had an amazing time. I went from being one of to being like amongst many um, and I was like, oh, I lost my mind. I lost my mind. I was the kid that you see in like the movies that shows up after their, you know, their parents dropped them off in that old school Lexus truck that all the old dads drive. Yeah. Dad dropped me off. And as soon as he left, I go to practice and then I like run into all the other athletes that are there in the summertime. And I'm like, oh. okay like it took me it took me one visit to sign it took me one visit my oh my god (laughs) i had so much fun i um got my ears pierced at my hbcu my teammates took me my teammates there i may have been intoxicated um there may be a video on youtube uh i got my ears pierced at my hbcu yeah look Go. try you can try and find. it was in like the double i think i'm pretty sure i had like a double popped like old navy collar oh, kind of. oh yeah. okay oh yeah that was kind of. yeah yeah that was a vibe yeah that was yeah matching my little old navy whale yeah that was yeah, me that's a, that's i did that uh, yeah but like i i mean everything happened at state like i, I discovered music i discovered what my natural hair curl pattern was like your girl had a perm every six weeks my entire life because no one really knew how to do my hair. So I get to school and one, I can't afford to get a relaxer. And two, all my teammates are like, your hair curls up when it's wet. I'm like, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Learned I had curly hair in my HBCU. I got to witness um, the first black president being elected into office at my HBCU. Um I got to experience homecoming at HBCU. Some of my best friends. Um, 
I still have from South Carolina State. And I think the biggest thing that was awesome for me, I got to learn who I was and become comfortable in my identity, but also learn like the real history and learn the history of Black people before slavery and all the different histories um, mm -hmm. and experience all the different colors, uh, colors of Black and cultures. Like I can thoroughly understand Geechee. I didn't know what that was. EJ, you're looking like, what is, what is Geechee? Are you like, don't, no. you don't know? No? Yeah. MH? No? No. Nope. Educate. All right, y'all. Okay, so vibes. Y'all remember <laughs> that show, Gullah Gullah Island? <laughs> binya, Binya. Like, Hollywogs. <laughs> that one. Yes. Yeah, yes. That one. So Gullah is like a real culture. There are people in Charleston, South Carolina. They are of the, the they're Gullah and they speak mm -hmm. Geechee. It's like a southern, it's like an African dialect that okay. is really fast. And it's 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 really fast. <laughs> it's really fast. Uh, but I can understand Geechee fluently now, like just being uh absorbed in the culture. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I saw cotton uh in real life being picked by hand. Uh, what else? I was just exposed. So much happened uh, at my HBCU. Some that I'm so glad I didn't have a digital copy of it. <laughs> We're going to find that digital copy of uh, you get your nope. ears picked. <laughs> I don't know where so, it is. I don't know where it is. So we did have uh, Nicole B on the show, which is also a volleyball player. So My uh, homie! The homie! Yes, yes Ms. Brittenreiter was on here. So who would yes. get buckets? Like, who, who's the best volleyball player out of you two? Because, you know, she went to a, a, a name school as well. Who's the better volleyball player? Yes. Different positions. Different mm. positions. You, know, that's you great, can't you know, really. You know, back down, that's, the, that's the easy way out. I'm not, look, I'm, I'm trying to live my life right, okay? I'm trying <laughs> to get all the energy from the world and the good vibes. Yes. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm the best in the world. You know, I might think it. Mm -hmm. Others may feel differently. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. You still, I feel like can you still give people buckets? Can you still give people buckets? Oh, God, no. No. Okay. <laughs> I, my shoulder is done. I blew my shoulder out. No. I got it fixed. It's not been the same since I retired, which is why I picked up the basketball as an adult. I don't need my shoulder. It's all in the legs. Fair. So, sorority of oh, your sorority. Why, why, why yeah. Delta? Why you choose Delta? Oh, man. So uh, when I was, that's a great question. Um, I don't think many people know this story about me. My, I mean, obviously, my line sisters do. Um, but um, when I was five, uh, when I was five, my birth mother actually, my birth mother died uh, from breast cancer. And so I didn't know that side, her, that side of the family. I don't really have a lot of memories of that side because I was five. But I got to South Carolina State and like, I didn't know anything about Greek life. My dad's a GDI. Um, he is the president of, the me, of me, Fi Me. And Greek life just wasn't in our household like that. Even though that, you know, the woman my father or married, who I call my mom now is the AKA. Uh, I got to South Carolina State, the AKAs are hitting me up, the Deltas are hitting me up. And I'm like, I don't know either. I don't like, I don't really know anything. Um, so I ended up actually going home that year um, to visit the family. And I swung by my mom's gravestone or tombstone. And I noticed Delta Sigma Theta on her headstone. And so I was oh, wow. like, hmm, what's that? So I called my sister. I'm like, yo, what is, you know, why didn't you tell my mom was a Delta? She was like, I thought you knew. I'm like, bro, I was five. I didn't know. She was like, well, you know, I'm a Delta. I was like, since when? Why did I, I, like, I had no clue. So then, uh, so I go back to state and I'm like, well, I'm going to join Delta to join, you know, be a part of an organization that my sister was a part of, that my mother was a part of. Um, and so I joined Delta Sigma Theta to not only, you know, embody the values in the, in what it stands for and what, you know, the organization does in the community and what it, um, you know, does for each other. But for me, it was more so an opportunity to, get a bit of my mother's history and learn more about her and learn more about who she was. 
Um, and so that's actually why I got my line name, uh, the living legend, which is my Instagram handle. That um, makes so much sense. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's what I can't. Everybody's like, on. why don't you change your, change your Instagram? I can never find you on Instagram. <laughs> that's okay. One, that's okay. Uh, but so that's why I joined, I joined Delta and, um, you know, I haven't regretted it since. I think it was a, I never, I never believed like the, you should be this because you look like that. Like I used to love getting that question. And to this day, I love getting that question. Like, I bet you pledge this. And I was like, you don't know me, fam. Like (laughs) you don't, don't look, (laughs) you don't know me. That was another life. Another Um, life. But yeah, that was another life. South Carolina State lore was a, <laughs> well, moving on from South Carolina State, Laura. <laughs> um, let's get into these mafia ties. What made you choose uh, Ohio University? Oh boy, oh boy. Actually, I didn't choose Ohio University. It chose you. Uh, you choose the street no, life. Gene Smith. You? Gene Smith chose Ohio University for me. That's <laughs> what happened. Really? Uh, That's no, I yeah. Yeah, so I interned at Ohio State because, again, I had no clue what I wanted to be as an adult when I left uh-huh. undergrad because nobody told me what I could be at when I wasn't an athlete anymore. Right. Um, or they probably didn't. I didn't listen. A little hard-headed. I don't know if you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I uh, – yeah, I know, right? Mm-mm. Interned at Ohio State for a couple years. Uh, my second year, my internship, uh, Gene Smith actually was – we were in an elevator together. And on the way down in the Fawcett Center, there's like 12 floors. And he meets little me intern in the elevator. And I'm sitting here in the elevator next to Gene Smith. He's like, so what are you doing next year? And I was like, I don't know, working working here, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, wrong answer. Uh, you're going to go back to school. And I was like, the hell I am. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I don't want to go. And he said, well, too, too bad. You've got a, you know, you got lunch with Bruce Wimbish next week. I was like, who's Bruce Windish? <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I go to lunch. I connect with Bruce. Bruce is like, oh, you're going to go to Ohio University. Uh, I'm like, oh, who? I don't even know where it is. I'm from Columbus. No clue where Ohio University is. And he knew the executive director, Jim Kaler, um, at the time, Jim Kaler. And he called Jim. And by the grace of God and everybody else ignoring exactly what I said I wanted to do and falling asleep in the GMAT. I got into Ohio University because other people told me that's where I needed to go. I was like, I don't want to go here. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to pay for the GMAT. I don't want to study for the GMAT. Uh, I got a horrible score. I didn't (laughs) care. I got to OU. I was like full of attitude. Um, They asked me, you know, like, what are you going to bring to this program that nobody else can bring? I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that went to an HBCU. Yeah. <laughs> there's that. Full, full, full mic drop. And Ohio's like that's like top sports store sports business like school in the country, right? Am I am I wrong about that? Yeah. Well, yeah, yes. It's one of the top. One of the world, top. To be specific. Yes. Okay. But you yeah. didn't know that. So, at the time. I, I mean and, then, and now you I definitely no of, course, of course you're glad you did it. Like so hindsight. Glad. I'm so glad. So glad. I think that the network is amazing. I've got the opportunity to connect with so many dope people, um, amazing people that will pick up the phone, random people who have no clue who I am, but I'll say, hey, Bobcat Connection. And they're like, hey, Bobcat, we'll do whatever. I was like, vibes. Hey, you just made me look really good. Uh, I love it. I mean, you guys actually have a Twitter handle called OU Mafia. Like, Look, it's I'm everywhere. not a part of any undergrad in the undergrad shenanigans. I don't know that life. I am not held responsible. Those are not my words. Okay. I went there for graduate school to get you know, <laughs> an adult education, <laughs> and I did that. Uh, so SC Laura didn't didn't make it to OU. She 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 passed. No, nah, she definitely the- did. No, she, okay. she definitely did. There was some tough moments. Um, if you ask my, there were some rough moments. Uh, but we made it, Mama. We made it. Um, there it is. 
And I grab yeah, I got I'm so I mean, look, I'm so glad I went. I think there were a number of times and, you know, opportunities in my life where I I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know. I wasn't thinking about ten years from now where I wanna be. Um I was like working seven jobs at the time. I was like, fine. Whatever. This is my favorite subject. You just getting into I'm backing up a little bit about this the transition <laughs> of athletes after they're done playing sports and into, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a second career, how is that transition? I think you touched, you're starting to touch on a little bit by working multiple jobs and kind of finding your lane. How is that transition for you? Is there somebody that you can look back on that said that kind of helped you through that transition period? Yeah. My orthopedic surgeon, um, she was like, yeah, your knees are trash and they're going to be trash until you're about 40. So figure it out. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess so. That's fine. Whatever. Um, I, I think for me, like that transition, it was hard. I didn't, I didn't, I never had an off season. Like I had shoulder surgery right after my senior year um, or like after my senior season. So like my spring season, I wasn't paying attention to nobody. Like I went to rehab maybe once or like I did the, until maybe it was fine, but like I never, I, I still don't have full range of motion. I'm like, I'm not going, I'm going to this party, whatever vibes. Um, but I think when I left, when I left South Carolina state, you know, I still wasn't out of that hustle mode, which is why I had seven jobs. Like I like was going all the time. I never sat down. And I think um, it wasn't until, man, I think probably I didn't really figure out how to transition or life. I'm still figuring out, honestly, because I think they don't really prepare you to one, like little things. My The treads on the bottom of my shoes run out. Like I got to go get, I got to get new shoes. I got to buy them. They don't just show up. <laughs> right. Hmm. You don't go I'm to like, why am I manager? slipping? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why am I slipping on this floor? It's like, oh, because you've had them shoes for like three years, man. You need some new shoes. <laughs> um, but I've always been like, I've never not been doing something. So for me, I think the transition didn't come until really later, like the mental aspect of it, like really mm -hmm. understanding and dealing with just sitting down somewhere. Like I'm still working on it. I hate sitting and not doing anything. Now I just nap. <laughs> And well, I love the, those naps. The, the rites of passage is naps. And uh, yeah, yeah, I've been to OU during Halloween. I, that was definitely always a good time. OU Halloween. I, I, I hope I don't I, stir up any, mm -mm. any memories. <laughs> Yo, Athens at Halloween is probably one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I, I remember leaving a bar and I walked past one of my cousins who was not 21 in line to get into a bar. And I was like, what are you doing here? Oh, you know, like I'm just. She's on a, 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 a recruiting visit. That's it. <laughs> nah, nah. He was, he was. I'm not gonna say what he was doing, but <laughs> Halloween. I never, I never. Halloween at Athens, because you know it's home to like you know a haunted and in, former insane asylum. Like, it's one of the haunted places, most haunted places on earth. Google did not this. know that. Yes, yes. There's a whole building that they now have, you know, put classes in and offices. Like people work in this place where some wild stuff was happening in the basement. And the story I was told was that it used to be in an asylum back in the day. And then the Ohio government one day was like, nope, no more funding. And so they just opened the doors. Oh. And let everybody out. And they did whatever they did out in these streets and there's spirits and all kinds of creepy things. I don't play with that. You know, I love Jesus. Now, I don't yeah, know I the blood. The <laughs> Plead the blood of Jesus so, on this podcast. God. Oh my God. All of it. God, I, you take I, control. God, it's in your <laughs> head. Jesus, take the wheel. Take the wheel and get me home. That is all I needed. Like, lit, like I would be, like, the only, I was there, I was there for two years. I went out for one Halloween. That was all I personally, spiritually could handle. Get on the bus to go back to the apartment, uh -huh. and literally at midnight, the like fog, this fog just set in uh -oh. on the, and I was like, 
I've seen this movie. No. I know how this ends. I'm out. I'm out. That was my life. Like, I've never been back. <laughs> nope. No. I went home, locked my door, said a little prayer. Yeah, God was so good. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Call I'm his like, name. Jesus, I'm sitting here Call like, look, <laughs> reciting all of my, my prayers from dinner. Father God, um, thank you for this food we're back I know I'm not eating right now, but please, it's not time. I'm sorry. I love you. It's not time. <laughs> I love it. Don't let Chucky show up when I close my eyes. I, I'm I'm sorry for all the wrongs that I've done. I'll never drink again. Like some of that, some of that stuff. All, all of that I stuff. Yeah, obviously that didn't work. So I want to move into the career, man, in the game. And you, and you mentioned some of the the things. I mean, definitely starting off at Ohio State. Uh, you had uh, time with the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then mm-hmm. uh, most recently before your current role, which we want to spend a little more time in, but uh, you were with the PGA. And I think that's where I originally met you. You had a little bit of a longer stint the PGA. I wanted to know how. PGA Tour. Happened. Yes, PGA Tour. Thank you. Two different organizations. How did you get into the PGA Tour, which is a predominantly or thought of as a rich white male sport? <laughs> and how did uh, this little brown girl um, come into the scene? And I know they loved you after you broke in, but but how did you come in there? And, and what was like one of the major kind of things that you're proud of after leaving that organization? Deep breath. <laughs> You have flashbacks on that? Yeah. Uh, I grew. There was a lot of growth. That was a growth phase, a growth period of my life. Uh, I ended up at the tour because an OU classmate of mine, or who's the year after me, hit me up and was like, yo, there's this social media position at this tournament. Uh, I think you'd be great for it. And I was like, mm, I don't do golf. <laughs> And I was like, whatever, you know, I'll take the interview. At that time, I was living in Cleveland and it was the spring. I'm going to take this free trip down to Florida. Where is, what is, what is Ponta Vedra? What is a, I don't know what that is. Uh, but I took that flight and I was, this is how you know how you're from Ohio and like you don't understand that there's climate, different climates in the country because your girl showed up in like a thick winter blazer and pantsuits so like i was hot because they have you walk the campus they don't you don't ain't no air my guy mh knows about that and so gosh here we go (laughs) (laughs) inside joke everybody yeah that's funny chill i'll pray for mh he ain't got no air uh I got the, I was rocking the, the hot, the hot sweater and sweating all over the place, but they offered me the position and I took it and the journey began. The journey to self-discovery began. I think that is what I named my PGA tour phase was the self-discovery phase because I came in, I think very young and impressionable. And I found my voice at the PGA tour because I just, I felt like the voice was needed. Um, and so the voice I found came my out niche. of necessity then, right? Like, was it just where you had to kind of yes. develop the voice to? Yeah, I mean, yes. Because I think anytime, I mean, as a woman, anytime you walk into a male-dominated industry, you like, didn't I just say that? <laughs> Did... That's not funny. But... <laughs> didn't I just say that? Like, literally, I may have, may have or may not have had like this inside joke I wouldn't even call it a joke. This inside situation with one of my colleagues. And I'm like, look, when we go into these meetings, I'm going to say something. And then I want you to say the exact same thing a different way. No lie. No lie. Multiple times you come out and be like, I'll say, yeah, you know, like we should post on Tuesday at 9 a.m. because the traffic says this, blah, 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 blah. I don't really know if, you know, we're feeling that or, you know, whatever. And then, Five minutes later, my colleague would step up and say, you know what? I Just think a male, I take maybe, it. yes, a white male, maybe possibly uh, we should post at 9 a.m. What do we think? You know, that's such a great idea. That is such a great idea. And I'm like, these look. So I learned what my voice was at the PGA Tour. Uh, I think that the people there are some of the kindest people 
that work there, like the people that work there, I think it's, I think the people there are great. Like I met some amazing people. Um, but I think I was put in a number of situations that required Laura to show up and show up for herself and show up as herself unapologetically. Um, and just keep saying, hey guys, I'm black. That's it. No, I don't speak for all black people, but I'm black. And this is happening. Or, you know, I think maybe you probably shouldn't do it that way. Mm. Or, yeah, it's actually very uncomfortable to come to work and see, you know, Trump stickers on people's cars. Like, I really don't want to be in that situation. All right. So, you know, my voice was made out of necessity. Like, I think... You know, the tour is uh, a growing organization and, you know, they're going to uh, be the business that they're going to be. The sport is changing. Uh, we're seeing that now with Live Golf. Yeah, like it or right. not, it is right. here. Um, and it's diverse. And it's different. And they pay in the cash. Where that money comes from, my concern. <laughs> But uh, I think, you know, the tour, you know, it's like it's like a lot of different agencies or, or groups or organizations, too. It has its ups and it has its down. But I think for me, the benefit or positive that came out of that was just simply that I found my voice. Um, I found some great hair moisturizing products also because that humidity is no joke, <laughs> uh, you know, and bought my first house. So I think overall, I go. ended up on the, Amen. you know, on the positive end. Yeah. You know, pew, pew. There it is. MH ready to, uh, with those quick hits. Uh, yes, sir. So uh, first time, this is just some random quick questions uh, so our listeners can kind of get to know you a little better. Um, first time, if ever, you've been starstruck. Yeah, don't laugh at me. MH, you might get this. Don't laugh at me. You're going to laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Um, I'm just hot. I'm not laughing. Time, I'm just hot. No, you're going to laugh. You're going <laughs> to laugh. Um, you might sweat a little bit, get a little glazed donut look. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, I was actually starstruck. First time I was, uh, was it the first time? The most memorable time I was starstruck because I've, you know, seen some things in my day uh, was actually recently at the uh, Black Sports Business Symposium. I'm at the hotel getting on the elevator and I look in the back and I see Jeff Sims, the Peloton instructor. Oh. And I literally fangirl. I lose my shit. I'm like, oh shit. I was like, yo. <laughs> like, I'm in the elevator and <laughs> it's a small elevator. There's other people in there. They have no clue who she is. And she's definitely just got off the plane and she's going back up to the to like her room. And I'm like, yo, like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, can I take a selfie? Like, can I? I feel like when you work in sports, you never want to be that person who comes up right. to somebody and be like, yo, can I take a picture in your off time? I That was my first response. <laughs> can I take a picture? I took a selfie. Oh, she was flawless, by the way. And put it in the, in my home, in the girls' group chat. They cussed me out, by the way, and threatened my life. They were mad because I didn't FaceTime them Why you in the her. elevator. While I was, yes, that was, the, that was, the most memorable time I think that I, I love that all of our pre-show stuff has come full circle in this yeah, that's, that's hilarious <laughs> it's it's Peloton Peloton it's the, you know that's a real mafia <laughs> that's a real mafia but like okay. I've met Barack Obama like and Jess Sims elicited yeah no, I, I can get it that's the Allstate guy for me Quincy McCall's dad that's that's how I feel about it so same thing okay okay uh loving basketball or the wood which one of those movies loving basketball okay debatable um no it is not it's loving basketball <laughs> favorite vacation spot ooh uh St. Thomas okay Okay. Damn. Oh. Uh, give me, give me, give me a book that you read lately. A book that I have yeah. read lately. Yeah, so I do audiobooks. I'm not a again the sitting do you, down thing. Do you if listen I to them book, fast? I'm sleep. Do you no, to I'm not that. No, that's that's not normal. That's, that's, that's your boy. 
EJ, talk to him. <laughs> My brother does that. I would come yeah, downstairs. Yeah. And he has oh, a smart things. one. I'm like, hey, why is it so fast? Him. Yeah, the smart one. Yeah. Two times, two times Maybe. fast. Yeah. He's like, it's efficient. I'm like, yeah, but it's not normal. That's EJ's inspiration. Okay, okay, <laughs> EJ, I see you, boy. <laughs> he might be a genius. I don't know. I don't know. I might um, like where I don't know. What was the most recent book? Like I just started the Mariah Carey book today <laughs> and yeah, don't it's... don't judge i you know i like books read by the author first of all don't judge me on my like that takes it to a whole yeah. nother look oh okay <laughs> she's reading it it's like her yeah she's reading it it's dope in um, high heels <laughs> probably she's probably in like a one piece snappy situation and like <laughs> <laughs> really tall heels and it's probably dark in her in like there's no light Candle, no candlelight right she's reading in her. Candle, she's, got, right. she's got one bath and body works um you know eucalyptus situation and <laughs> she's just talking about christmas and how she loves it <laughs> i just i just started it i just started it i just so give me a minute uh but like the last legit i don't want to say legit the last book of substance. I shouldn't even say that. I haven't gotten into Mariah's book. I don't know what substance is there. Or yeah, substance. Substance. Right, so yeah. it might be. Um, I actually finished uh, Viola Davis's book, which if you have not read, you need to go read mm. or listen. Yeah, like there's no reason why she should be in the position that she's in. Absolutely none. Okay. Absolutely none. It's a... No she made friends with the rats in her apartment. I'll just say that. Money was no object. Uh, what would you do? Nothing. What do you mean? <laughs> no object. Where would you go? If you if it, said nothing. No, nothing. Just chill. <laughs> I, I, whatever. I, that, I would do whatever I wanted to do. If money was no object, I would literally just wake up and say, what do I want to do today? And whatever <laughs> I wanted to do, I would do. I want to. You know what? I want to go to Europe today. Okay. I feel you. Buy a plane. Let's go today. That's what I would do. <laughs> and then obviously I would give my 10% to Jesus and, um, you. you know, feed somebody Yeah, and save you. the world. Off top, right? You got to take that 10% off top, especially all these yeah, spirits like, we didn't allowed in this podcast. <laughs> Look, let me go get my stage right now. I'm about to, before I go to bed. I got I got a fresh bottle of extra virgin olive oil in there too. So I'm gonna hit these doors. Hit them all with that cross, all of them. Every My dog one is gonna wake up with like just a big old cross. Right on, right on that head. <laughs> the grease. Don't even rub it in. Just yeah. like it used to be. No. Just let it just sit. No, yeah. Just sit there. <laughs> Who? Where was I? I was somewhere, and they were talking about. Um, oh, I went to uh, Steph Curry's mom's book thing the other day reading. And Steph Curry was there and he was talking about how in her in her book, she talks about how she used to pray over the Curry children and how he would just wake up in the middle of the night and she would be over him, like mumbling mm -hmm. with like some oil on his head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why he got that range. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's what that is. He was praying. You. Could you imagine? I'd, 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 I might I cry. I can't. I that didn't yes, happen. I don't have <laughs> good eyesight. <laughs> Shout out to mom and pops. No. <laughs> yeah, oh, my no! uncle. Yeah, my uncle's a little touched. Uh, and uh, one time I woke up. He ain't gonna hear this, <laughs> Uncle David. You're not touched, bro. You funny. But uh, one time I woke up and he was drinking the blessed oil. That's the that's the that's the that's the inter <laughs> most interesting thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> after that, that changed that changed my life for a lot of different ways. So. Waste yes. not want now. We're not gonna let that dribble off your forehead. We just gonna sit oh, up. We're going all just, the way off the road. We are, we have my fault, EJ. Go ahead, man. Just <laughs> upset. This is where the this is where the real conversation happens. We got past nice. it. Like, where did you yeah. do when you grew up? And how did you what inspired you to be who you are? No. I'm with you. Jess Sims. What's up, folks? I with you. Quincy mm -hmm. called That's that. I'll at you. <laughs> all right. I appreciate so, you. Getting into the witness circle, we want to talk about you know uh, what you're doing right now and um, with the with the collective. I mean, 
just yeah. kind of give us a start off because like I've heard of course of Wasserman right working in the sports mm -hmm. but then the collective is this a, a new venture or a new like division of it so just tell us a little bit about the collective at Wasserman yeah so the collective the collective in idea or serving um in the um serving for the sake of or fighting for gender equity has been a thing Wasserman's been doing for years uh, three years ago, it just formalized into a brand, The Collective. I joined the team uh, a little under two years ago. And basically, we, simp we simply exist to create, equi create equity and fairness for women's sports and athletes who play women's sports and any but women who work in sports or any, you know, sport adjacent. But in addition to that, it's also across music. It's across... Um, broadcasting. It's just the fight for gender equity across all. Um, oh my God, I just put a T on a cross. I'm sorry, Mrs. Matt. That was my English teacher. I didn't mean to. Um, and so we are here. I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, it's late on my end. I get distracted. <laughs> and Mrs. Matt was a part of, formidable part of my life growing up. She was my first black teacher, English teacher, but had a country accent. So it was a whole thing. I was very confused. Um, but we're doing great work uh, at the collective. We represent um, some of the top athletes in women's sports from around the world, mm -hmm. uh, as well as music artists. Um, and we simply show up to the meeting with, I was going to say simply, but we show up to the meeting with stats and facts and information as to why gender equity is smart business. Like remove the fact that it should be equal or equitable and that women's sports should be invested in because uh, it's just the right thing to do. We actually, sh we show up with the numbers to say, this is how it affects your bottom line. Right. And two thirds of the wealth in the US will be owned by women in like five years. So you should probably market to them and maybe stop putting pink bedazzled jerseys in stock. I'm a grown woman. I don't wear rhinestones. It's just a thing. Nothing against rhinestones. Yeah, there's a place uh, for it. I don't, I give it to I don't, definitely, it, is there? Yeah. Is there? I mean. EJ? I mean, they're buying it, aren't they? What, what do the numbers say? Mm, I see how you got yourself out of that one, EJ. Uh, <laughs> the numbers actually say. Uh, the numbers actually say that there isn't enough women's merch. Women's sport merch. You can't buy um, a number of WNBA players' jerseys. They don't exist. Um, they, we had a conversation the other day about jerseys and availability and how do we get more, and we can't because no one wants to order them in advance, and it's a whole thing. Like, if you look at, I won't say their name, but one of the major sport retailer websites and you sign up for the WNBA notifications, you're going to get advertisements with a t-shirt like on the male mannequin. Like they don't even put that on a woman's mannequin. So our mission is to show up and to make change and to kind of rally all of the change makers in the space together to figure out how do we move together? How do we, how do we arm you with the information that you need? to go into your meeting to say, yes, maybe we should put, um, I don't know, free feminine healthcare products in the bathrooms. I don't know, who carries quarters? <laughs> I don't carry quarters. Um, and so we really just simply exist to make change, uh, which is such a, a, for me, I think it was a, a much needed break from the day-to-day -day of digital and social and being on like the work that I'm doing that we're doing is benefiting others and benefiting future generations. Cause this next gen, Gen Z, they on it. Got an attitude. They got an attitude, and if and will cancel you. Like they created cancel culture. Like this is a generation that literally will put you out of business <laughs> because because I'll you still use straws. Touch, touch on that. That's funny. That's that's very true. Touch on that a little bit. And shout out to my favorite basketball player out there, Chelsea Gray. Appreciate you, Kalani. Look at me with that jersey. But yeah, that's that's my favorite player. Um, 
killing it. Touch on that. Game. Uh, she oh, did. Yeah. She, she just cold. It's point just, guard. Point guard for real, for real, though. Yeah. She crazy. Like, some of them passes. Crazy. I was like. She crazy. On a whole nother level. like, how? The mechanics. My favorite player. She's yeah. so cold. Oh, and the oh, shout amazing. out to Flo that does produce um, feminine hygiene things in the arenas, in the Suns Arena. That's a great um, uh, sponsorship that they do over there at the Suns Arena. Shout out to my guy, Phil, who put that together. But yeah, those kind of initiatives are dope. Very important. Gen Z, though. Gen Z, you you touched on that. And how, how, you know, the world is changing in these next five years. Where do you see it? How do you see it progressing? I think we, I I feel like a lot of the friction that's happening now outside of people losing their entire minds uh, is centered around this next generation is asking why. And we have created a generation that has felt valued and felt that they had an opinion and that, you know, kids deserve to speak when adults are speaking. We raised that. And so now we're seeing the fruits of that. And they are stepping up to the plate and saying, so my friend group is really diverse. Why, when I go to work, is, is everybody a cisgendered white male? How does... How does that work? work? Like, this isn't right. Why do, why is it that, um, you know, when I go home or why, why is it that Sarah never gets invited to go golfing when she actually golfs and I'm a guy? Like, why? They, like, they're asking these questions. This isn't fair. And they will tell you what you're doing is not fair. It is not okay. It is affecting somebody's health um, and businesses and organizations are going to have to listen because this is the up and coming workforce. And they also notice, I think the, the, the BS that we all notice about the industry and about work and just being an adult uh, that we figured out maybe at year five, six, seven, they're figuring out at year two. And so you, ha- you as an organization have two years to prove to this fresh out of college young person who, who just moved here and doesn't like the fact that you still have paper sh- or have regular straws. Uh, you have two years to prove to them that they're valued, that their opinion matters, that you are an equitable employer, that you value um, mental health, that you value them. Uh, their voice is being heard, that you're going to protect them and uh, provide a safe space where their opinions and all of these things that we taught them were important back at the Montessori when they were two. They're coming in hot. hot and like, oh, so we not value here? That's fine. Deuces. Deuces. Peace. Like, I, we did a... Um, actually the presentation with one of our think tank professors, we work with colleges and universities from around the world to um, blend or, or bring their college uh, academic research to the industry in a way that the industry understands. And so one of our professors, uh, Nicole Melton over at UMass, shout out, what up, Nicole? Uh, they actually did a study where they looked at Gen Z students and asked mm-hmm. them to identify a professional sport league and they gave them four that they wanted to work for. These, these young, amazing people went to LinkedIn and started looking at the people that worked there on LinkedIn, but then looked at how long it took them to get to the position that they're at. And did they have to move organizations to get to that level? Were you a director for 15 years and then all of a sudden over the pandemic, you became a VP? Mm. Mm. Like they are smart and they are like, mm, don't want to do it. Wow. Well, speaking of just kind of like the youth, I mean, you do give back and you spend a lot of time. And that's why I think we first crossed paths was at uh, NSF um, yeah. uh, doing the BDSE. So are, are you still involved with that? And tell a little, tell the people a little bit about uh, what you do at NSF. Yeah. So national sports forum uh, is a great uh, conference, annual conference that happens every year in a different city. Um, in I think 2012, maybe 2013, they started um, a group or program called Business Diversity in Sports and Entertainment. Essentially, 
they looked around and said, there are no black people here, no brown people, no women. That's probably, we should probably do something about it. Shout out to Andy Dolich. Uh, and Andy. <laughs> um, the guy. He's the and dude. so they created BDSE. And what they do is they offer 30 spots, 30, 32 spots every year, scholarships to industry professionals that are uh, fit into the U.S. Census U.S. Census definition of a minority or diverse. Uh, and they allow them to come to National Sports Forum for free. And they get to go to all the programming. If you've ever been to the NSF website, it's not a cheap conference to go to. But all the movers and shakers in the industry, a lot of them are there. And so if you want to diversify the industry, you got to be in the room. I do believe, uh, who was it on, on Hamilton? I want to, I'm going to be in the, in the room where it happens. Y'all didn't catch that. You didn't watch no, Hamilton? I did not watch Hamilton. Yeah. I didn't either. <laughs> that messed up Hamilton, your whole, please. your whole point. It did. Yes. Yeah, well, it well, did. That's, you're giving us a lot of homework, by the way. Thank please you. go watch Hamilton because Hamilton is going to convince an entire generation that George Washington was a brown man. Please go and watch Hamilton. It's amazing. Number one. Go. That's number one. Uh, but for the past, I don't know how many years I was the chair of BDSE uh, and was responsible for, you know, kind of leading an amazing group of human beings in the industry um, to put on this, this content and session and development and to identify, you know, these 32 applicants, I think last year, the year before the pandemic or the one we had right before the pandemic, um, we had, was the first time we had over a hundred applicants for literally like 10 spots. Um, and so the competition is getting tougher and the classes or the cohorts that come through every year are getting tougher. Like every year surprises me every year. I'm like, whoo, coming out, asking people tough questions. Um, I met some of the most amazing human beings in the industry there. Um, and so this is the first year I am not the chair of BDSE. I am like an advisor in sorts. And so I get to sit back and kind of make sure that the, you know, they, they look out for certain hurdles and that things go off. And then I will be uh, released of my duties. <laughs> there you go. All right. So yeah. we're coming to Isn't the dope. end and, and we're getting close to wrapping up here. So uh, we'd like to ask all of our, yeah. our guests, what is a coaching gym or an assist or something you would tell your younger self? Isn't this like an Instagram meme? What's that? You know, isn't this? I feel like this is an Instagram thing where it's like somber music and it's like, oh, we were a superstar. I don't know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question, Stalla. I don't know. <laughs> um, what was something I would? What would I tell younger Laura? What would I tell Big Savage? Um, Big Savage. <laughs> yeah it was a nickname of mine yes you had all the that nicknames was, that was right after stock killing estate that was my nickname mm. um that's for a non-recorded conversation um <laughs> i think i would tell myself that like yo stop stressing just because everybody else has a five and ten year plan and you don't know what you're doing tomorrow like it's okay uh, and that, you know, your uniqueness and your ability to think differently is valued and will be recognized and keep fighting the proverbial man, which oftentimes is a man. A man. <laughs> that's a great way to end it. MA's right. final that's, thoughts. I mean, <laughs> dope. One of my favorite interviews. I really appreciate your time. Um, Great personality. Thank you for your time, for sure, for sure. Before, no, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on, being on, you know, EJ and Evan China. We've been trying to connect for a while now, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity, even though it's past my bedtime, and it's going to take me a minute to get this red lip off, but it's okay. For your, for, for EJ, I will scrub my face at 1030 at night. Well, we thank you. Our audience thanks you. Um, you know, and even <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes, you, you've always been, you know, supportive and making sure that we um, um, 
put the right voices out here. And uh, so I yeah, appreciate Yeah, we need more you. women. We need more <laughs> women. Every other episode, there needs to be a woman on your show and or you need to add a woman co-host. Like, hmm. Interesting. And then, uh, we so need to have a woman on the roster. That means you're going to join one of our live shows uh, because we do ask women to be on our live show. So, hey, thank you for that. I appreciate and accept your uh, offer to be on the live show. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's like a whole lot of other women in the world. I actually have mm. a database of over a thousand. And so I'm happy to help find someone uh, else <laughs> other than me uh, okay. to facilitate we that conversation. Mm. But how can how can how can I help you all? How can what can I do to help the both of you other than get MH a fan? <laughs> that would help tremendously. Thank you very much. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I appreciate I got you. you. I got some. I got a little money in my cash app. I got you. I, I appreciate it. Donation. This is donation. <laughs> this is trash can. Um, <laughs> so we'll leave you that. I mean, you're always there, and I know you're going to give me some 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 pointers and some notes offline. Um, but once again, want to thank you. I want to thank our people um, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we drop new shows every Thursday, so please subscribe to our YouTube channel because visual representation matters. So uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and please stay safe. What's the what's the other line? Practice gratitude. <laughs> no. Wow. I'm you, we gotta wow. pray out of We gotta pray. Be with us, Lord. Lead Uh huh. Yeah. Sue me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Smack bouts, racks on handmade new rags. Shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and rap.